This is You Talking To Me, the podcast that takes a film, a 13-year-old boy, and puts them together to see what happens next. James and I view each movie and ask if it still has the power to excite, intrigue, and inspire. This is Man vs. Boy Film Analysis. Welcome to You Talking To Me. For each episode, we choose a classic movie for James to watch for the first time. This could be a critically acclaimed oldie, or an iconic film from any era, then we watch it together. From this shared experience, we'll discuss what he thought of it and see if it still appeals to a younger, more modern audience. We discussed 2001 A Space Odyssey last time and realised it still looks brand new. In this episode, we'll be talking about Monty Python's Life of Brian. Released in 1979, this is Monty Python's third film after the compilation movie, and now for something completely different in 1971, and Monty Python and the Holy Grail in 1975. Written by the whole team and directed by Python member Terry Jones, the film stars all of the Pythons in multiple roles. Filmed in Tunisia, but set in Judea in AD 33, the film follows the adult life of Brian, who becomes involved with a group of revolutionaries plotting against the Romans. Brian is mistaken for the Messiah, whilst being pursued by Roman guards, and then his life changes. James, what stats have you got for us for Monty Python's Life of Brian? IMDb gave it 8.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gave it 95%. Empire gave it 5 stars. The Guardian also gave it five stars. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about Handmade Films, which is the production company that made the film. Not something I'd normally do, but I think it's important to put this all in context. Handmade Films only existed because of Life of Brian. The previous financers, EMI Films, they pulled out before, just before they were going to start filming because of the reports of sort of blasphemy in in the screenplay so to get their film made eric idol one of the monty python team asked sort of an acquaintance of his or a friend of his george harrison ex-beatle george harrison uh to help out so handmade films was created just to get life of brian made because george harrison was a huge monty python fan from life of brian handmade films went on to make some really significant films from the 80s or british movies from the 80s mm. so um, handmade films made a long good friday i don't know if you know that one i think so. time bandits which is like oh a yeah very significant film in my sort of childhood and with nail and i do you know with nail and i i don't think so so dear richard e grant yeah He's in that. It was a film that sort of made him famous. Yeah. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Hilarious. That, that's also on lots of top comedy lists. We will watch that. All of the films I've just mentioned are excellent. The other significant thing about Life of Brian is that it was very controversial when it was released. Yes. It was banned in some places. I kind of wanted to know if you appreciated that or if you knew kind of why it was banned. I'm guessing it was because it was offensive towards religion. Yeah, so there were fears of it being sort of blasphemous, sort of ridiculing Christ. But you've seen the film and it's it's not quite that. The BBFC passed the film without any cuts, so they didn't have a problem with it. But it ultimately was banned in 39 
local councils in the UK, Ireland and Norway banned it completely. And there were protests in America and where it was banned in many, many parts of the country. As is usually the case with this kind of stuff, bad press or good press, depending on which way you look at it, most of the people that were banning it had never seen it. Really? So No, absolutely. They, they hear this thing, or it's this terrible thing, this terrible movie that's, you know, anti-religion or anti-Christ blasphemy, and they wanted it banned. To do something like that without having seen the, the product first is, you know, is really, really short-sighted. Yeah. Anyway, ultimately, all of that bad press did the film really, really good, and it was a big hit. And irrespective of all of that, this is a classic comedy that's still popular 40 years on. And I suppose, James, the question is, what did you what did you think of it? Because we haven't discussed it since you watched it. Yeah, so um, I thought it was good, but um, I didn't think it was the funniest movie ever. And um, um, some of the jokes are dated now. Yeah, but it was still a funny movie, I guess. Yeah, okay. So I've seen this film a lot. I've seen it loads of times. I've not seen it for a while, but I've seen it a lot of times. And I, you know, I'm sort of smiling all the way through it. I know where the jokes are coming. And, you know, I kind of like, as a sort of sniggering teenage boy, I watched it quite a lot of times, you know. Yeah. A bit of nudity in it and lots of silly jokes and lots of comedy swearing. You know, for me, it's not not funny. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. funny. Is there a difference between a film that, be, that could be considered, like, the greatest comedy film... And a film that would be considered the funniest comedy film. Because they're not necessarily the same thing, are they? Yeah, they're not. Because uh, the funniest comedy film would be like, if the jokes are really funny, but if it's just good as a film alone, then yeah, that would be the best comedy film. A great comedy film might not necessarily be the funniest. Do you need hundreds of like? Do you need hundreds of laughs? for it to be considered good. So comedy's difficult, you know, comedy's a really hard genre of filmmaking. It's really you've seen some very funny films. Yeah. You've seen some films that are supposedly funny or comedies and they're not very good. So a funny premise executed well is pretty much the recipe for a really good comedy film. I don't think you laughed out loud. Yeah, I only did the I don't know what the expression is, but I only did the thing where like you blow air through your nose. Yeah, that's no, really nose did. laughing. Okay, so if you think of something like a film that you've seen, so you've seen Groundhog Day, for example, yeah, yeah. So that's this sort of brilliant concept, and they and they mine every piece of humour from this idea, this central idea, which is a really really clever idea. Is Groundhog Day the funniest movie ever? No, no, yeah. Does that matter? No. So one of the reasons I think Life of Brian is 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 so well regarded is that it is a really really good concept it does sort of poke fun at certain things some of the we'll talk about them later maybe but some of the scenes in it are kind of considered sort of classic comedy scenes yeah like the what have the romans done for us scene and things like that okay let's talk about the monty python team so six six of them all together they play most of the roles in the film i didn't know if that was confusing for you to see the same actors in one scene being someone completely different in an, in the next scene, apart from Graham Chapman, although he's another couple of he's also big as dickers. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so Graham Chapman is Brian, mm-hmm. um, but all the others play many many roles each. So I didn't know if that was confusing. Uh, it was slightly confusing, but they were all wearing like different outfits uh, every time. So I guess it like was pretty easy to see who was who. They wrote it all together. Terry Jones directed it. Terry Jones is Brian's mum. 
<laughs> really? That's a really, he's really excellent in it. And he's gone on, he went on to direct other films. And yeah. As did Terry Gilliam. Talk about perhaps on another episode. He's in it. He's a right, he's part of the Monty Python team and he directed uh, Time Bandits and 12 mm. Monkeys and Brazil and loads and loads of other, other brilliant films. So I didn't know if you were kind of aware of who Monty Python was before we watched Monty Python's Life of Brian. I knew like a few of their songs because you've played them before and they were funny. But um, I've never like watched any of their TV or any other movies. So this was kind of like my first experience of them. Yeah, we could watch Holy Grail. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, got, that, that's funny. So a lot of this, you know, this is, you know, men dressing up as women and putting on a silly voice. Yeah. So like take Terry Jones's Brian's mum character. Brilliant. But it's just a man dressed up as a woman putting yeah. on a silly voice. <laughs> what did you think about that? Um still funny. It definitely made it funnier. There's a bit in it where men dressed up as women, disguising themselves as men, putting on fake beards so they could go to the stoning. Yeah, that was um, one of the, the funniest moments, I think. Yeah. Okay, so ter- I th- yeah. So as I've said, I think Terry Jones, as as Brian's mum, is, is, is brilliant. Out of all of them, and I, don't, you don't, I know you don't necessarily know their names... But which of them did you like best out of the there's six the six Pythons, there's yeah. six Monty Python people. Graham Chapman was Brian, and then you had the rest of them playing multiple roles. T- Terry Gilliam playing sort of the least, really. He doesn't do very much in it. But Michael Palin and uh, John Cleese and Eric Idle, all their multiple roles. Did you did you sort of like one more than the other, or were they sort of were they all about the same? Um I'd say they're all the same. I did like uh, Graham Chapman because probably because he was in it the most. I also like Terry Jones because he was funny. Yeah, Eric Idle's really funny. He is well, the cat. I looked this up. I didn't know what the character was called. He's called Mister Cheeky, uh, and he's the the guy at the start um, calling the other guy Big Nose. Oh um, yeah, but, and the same character is the guy at the end who says. I'm Brian, and they and basically gets let off the crucifixion, and they take him away. That's Eric Idle. Yeah. So he's really funny. He's the haggler as well. Mm. When um, Brian has to wants to buy want to buy a disguise. Do you remember that bit? He has to buy a disguise. Oh yeah, when he's and running he's, from the Romans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says, you know, it basically make, makes him barter with him. Out of all of them, I think you know if we if you really I mean you can overanalyze this stuff, but I think Michael Palin gives the best kind of acting performances if we were really looking at that if that was an important thing yeah I think Michael Palin gives the best performances in as much as all of his characters are different mm. he's not just someone wearing a different colored wig and talking in a different funny voice so Michael Palin is do you remember the bit like the ex leper do you remember that bit? He's an ex-leper because Jesus cured him. Oh, yeah. And he's begging for money. So that's Michael Palin. But Pontus Pilate, that's Michael Palin. Crucifixion. You know, that's oh, that as well, right? And that character, that character is called Nicus Wettus. Um, so they're all Michael Palin. And, and he does, he plays the most roles in the film. He plays 12 roles all together in yeah. the film, whereas the others don't quite play as many. Nearly, but not quite. John Cleese, who... Um, have you, you've never seen 40 Towers, have you? No. So it's a sitcom, absolutely brilliant sitcom called 40 Towers. He's good in it, so he's the leader of the PFJ, and he's the... I think he's like the head... So you know when Brian's writing all the letters on the wall? Yeah. Um, Romans go home, Romanus, uh, all that. John Cleese is the head centurion who comes over and sort of tells him off. So yeah. John Cleese is in it a lot, 
but he's just he's always Joel Cleese basically. He's not you know. So anyway, yeah. that's that's just my my view on that. So about halfway through, after Brian's involvement with the PFJ, the Popular Front of Judea, and whilst being chased by the Romans, Brian is mistaken for the Messiah. That whole sequence where they all, you know, the crowd start building and they start following him. I don't know if you kind of got this, and I hope you did. It kind of, it's showing you how easily people will start following something without kind of really knowing what it is. So they're all kind of blindly following. Oh, you know, listen to him. Listen to this guy. Let's listen to what he's saying. Yeah. You know, and they start chasing him. He's running away. And there's that whole sequence with the guy who's taking the vow of silence and all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's running away and he loses, a, he loses a shoe and the crowd crowd round the shoe and they deliberate what it means. What does it mean? Though I didn't know if you kind of understood what they were trying to achieve with that or if you just thought it was like a bit of silly antics um i kind of did i yeah that was one of my favorite moments as well so get the shoe and they're kind of like interpreting what it means you know and then immediately almost immediately you've got some people following the shoe and then you've got other people going no it's the the holy gourd because he was carrying this gourd and it's kind of summing up christianity really and, and how that was you know people's interpretation they're interpreting what what all of this means without really understanding it some of them want to worship the shoe some of them want to worship the gourd and that's kind of really the whole point of the film it's sort of having a little dig at organized religion yeah and the church just following stuff without really looking into it just because someone says so did you get that yeah i thought it was um very brave that they would do something like that. Yeah, you can kind of see why people would be like protesting against that. Yeah, it makes for a funny movie. And then and then that leads us to the he's not the messiah scene, which apart from starting with a bit of gratuitous nudity when you're a teenage boy watching a movie, yeah, this is this is a, this is kind of like the I suppose the pinnacle of the film really. This this whole scene, really really well written scene where all the followers are gathered below Brian's window, quite quite an important scene in the film, and it does make some really interesting parts. So even though it's a really good comedy sequence, and it's a, this is a classic comedy film, there's stuff in here that makes really really interesting points about kind of organised religion and and the whole you know the whole sort of idea of Christianity. Um, and the crowd are answer, answering in unison. You know they're all saying they're all speaking together. And it's there's a, my favourite joke in the film in this section. Which is we're all individuals, and then one person says, "I'm not." Um, it's not so good when I do it. And whatever Brian's saying to them, they're not really listening. They're not really getting what he's saying, you know. Yeah. Because he's saying, "Don't follow me. Don't follow anyone." So, you know, they're just re repeating what he's saying all the time. You know, we're all individuals, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I thought the most important thing that Brian is saying, he says, "You've got to work it out for yourselves." Yeah. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. So, James, you have to do what Monty Python tells you. You have to not let anyone tell you what to do. <laughs> okay. Apart from me. In the end, Brian's crucified and there's a great big song about being positive. Yeah. Have you heard that song? Have you heard? Yeah, I have heard that song. I just didn't know it was from yeah. uh, this movie. I don't know. Is the song more famous than the film? I'm not sure. But always look on the bright side of life, written by Eric Idle. It's the last thing you expect. Personally, I didn't really think the movie was going to end there. I thought there was going to be like, he was going to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? I think I I thought that when I first watched it. And I was a bit disappointed that he wasn't saved. <laughs> yeah. But then I guess that's the that's not the point. 
what did you think were the best sort of best scenes in the film? So I liked the scene where he was talking to everyone. That was, I think that was the only scene that I had a little chuckle, like a laugh. And that had my, some of my favourite jokes as well. So that I can remember the first time I watched this film and I was like one of those centurion guards sniggering along when Pontus Pilate is talking about his friend, <laughs> Biggus Dickus. Did he not? No, not for you that? That, that was funny, but that wasn't my favourite joke. But it still was very funny. What was kind of like the funniest moment then for you? The funniest moment I really liked when they were in the queue for um, the crucifixion. So there's one thing that I didn't really get. Okay. Like, why did they have aliens? That didn't make sense. It was like they just had aliens to fill in a plot hole. And there was no other reason they weren't in it again. I just thought that was just so random. Okay. And, and I think actually looking at it now, it's not helped by the fact that it, they're a bit rubbish aliens as well. Yeah. Do you know what? I think you're probably right. I think it does kind of grate a bit. It's not, it doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the movie. You know, you can get away with a song at the end, but not yeah. sure you can get away with two aliens accidentally kidnapping Brian, taking him up to space and then dropping him down again. I think you're right there. You know Horrible Histories? Yeah. I felt like they got a lot of inspiration from this movie. Yeah, if you're going to do sort of comedy history... Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, they're basically ripping off Monty Python <laughs> yeah. 40 years later. So it's probably not in your top 10 or top 100 or whatever, but the film does turn up on a lot of top 10 movie lists. Yeah. So Time Out, top 100 best comedy films. It's... Spinal Tap number one. Do you know this is Spinal Tap? Have you ever heard of that? I actually don't think I've ever heard of that. <laughs> okay. So this is Spinal Tap. I'll talk to you about that after. Okay. Because we can watch that. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Spinal Tap was number one. Airplane number two. You know Airplane. Yeah, I know Airplane. And Life of Brian number three. Mm. Okay. So Empire Magazine 50 Best Comedies as voted for by the readers, has Airplane at number one. Yeah. Anchorman at number two. Mm. The Big Lebowski at number three. Yeah. Which you have seen. I have seen that. And Life of Brian at number four. Yeah. Then there's this really weird list. 100 best comedy films on IMDb. I don't know how they work out their lists on IMDb. Because Mm. they're not done by ratings. Because some of the ratings differ. It's not like the top rated comedy is number one. That's not how this list seems to work. So, number one on the list, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Absolutely yeah. fine. Got a problem with that. Number two on the list, Airplane. Great. Number three, Blazing Saddles. Mm. Cut down to, say, number 20, Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Which is one of the worst comedies ever made. Not funny at all. Absolutely awful. And then at 28, Life of Brian. Really? So that I don't, I don't understand. I'm not even going to count that. And then The Guardian have done a top 25 greatest comedies of all time. And again, different films in this. So number one, Annie Hall. Do you know Annie Hall? Mm, I've heard of it. That's a Woody Allen film. Yeah. His first big hit, really. Uh, number two, Borat. Borat, hell yeah. Number three, Some Like It Hot. Do you know Some Like It Hot? Um, No. So uh, that's great. That's a black and white movie, but really, really, really funny. Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis Mm. and Marilyn Monroe. Have you heard of Marilyn Monroe? I have. Okay, she's in there. And then number 10 is Life of Brian. 
do have to talk quickly about the total film 50 Greatest Comedies as voted for by the readers of the magazine in the year 2000. And the only reason I bring this up is that their top 50, uh, which obviously is dated now because it was released in 2000 and there's been, you know, obviously Borat's not on that yeah. list. So they've got Life of Brian at number one, mm-hmm. Airplane at number two, and the film I mentioned earlier, With Nail and I, at number three. Yeah. Now, I voted in that poll. Did you? Did. I voted in that poll 20 years ago, and all the people that voted, their names were put in a hat. Really? And there was a prize... And a runner-up prize and a winning prize. And I won the prize. Did you? And I won a copy on VHS video of all 50 comedy movies. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had posted to me by, from HMV, in fact, I had the 50 greatest comedies of all time all on VHS video. So, a belated 20-year thank you to Total Film for that. So, James, what would you say your top, say, three comedy movies are that you've seen? So, at number three, I'd put The Hangover. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, At number two, I'd put Borat. (laughs) Yeah. And at number one, Superbad. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good teenage comedy film. Yeah. I remember sitting you down and watching Police Academy... Oh, with, yeah, yeah. With you, which, which, considering that could be seen as quite dated, I think you quite enjoyed that, didn't you? I did. I really, really did. And South Park, the movie, you've seen almost all of that. Almost all of that. I, I, if I had to answer the same question, I would probably say, I really like Blazing Saddles, and we'll watch that. I think that's just a really good film, but it's also a really funny film. Airplane, yeah. I love. This is Spinal Tap, which... We mentioned and you hadn't heard of before. Yeah. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. And I said, with Nail and I. And Borat. Borat's great. Okay, James, do you have any fun facts for us? So, you know how you said earlier that um, some towns and councils banned Life of Brian? Hmm. Some of them didn't even have cinemas. Typical. Yeah. The Pythons all played 40 characters in total. Uh, in the scene where Brian appears naked... Graham Chapman appears nude in front of 2,000 plus people. Uh, They borrowed some of the props from the movie Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, yeah, didn't know that. An asteroid discovered in 1997 was named 13681 Monty Python in their honour. That's cool. Elon Musk launched a wheel of cheese into space (laughs) as a tribute to the Pythons. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Any is there anything that you've um, looked up or found out since uh, watching the movie? Um, yeah, I listened to a few of the um, songs off of some of their albums. Okay. So what would your conclusion be? I'd say a very funny movie. Uh, they were very brave and daring to poke fun at religion and what it was like back then. Yeah, I think it's a like a really clever comedy but sort of sprinkled with nonsense and silliness and stupid gags yeah yeah i guess some of it doesn't work i don't know it's difficult for me because i've seen it so many times and i saw it when i was younger i guess i can't see it in the same way that you see it if you see what i mean as you know james i've actually written a long list of films that i think you should watch yeah and it is quite a long extensive list i think what we'll do is that every time we'll choose one of those 
So there's lots of sort of early Spielberg films, which I know you haven't seen. There's a lot more uh, Hitchcock films, those sorts of things. Some 80s stuff, which is great. Action movies and all that kind of stuff. And I think what we'll do is I'll just pick one that's different to the one before and we'll just work our way through the list. And maybe I'll put it up on Letterboxd or something. And, yeah. Or if anyone wants to message us with a, with a suggestion, has to be a classic. Great. Well, thanks, James. Uh, thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at Talking Film with no G and on Talking underscore Film on Instagram. Direct message us your comments and suggestions for, for future episodes. Send us your top 10 film lists and we might read some of them out next time. Subscribe to You Talking To Me wherever you get your podcasts and thanks as always to Johan Tasker. See you next time. Bye.